with you, 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 always with you. Welcome to With You, a podcast meant to share the stories of women across the rugby community, to highlight our connections and our growth, and to delight in a good belly laugh whenever we can. I'm Suze, my pronouns are she, her, and I'll be your host. Welcome back to another episode of With You. Here we are for episode 11, just trucking along. And shortly, you'll hear me talk with Katie H., who is just doing the most. This episode is packed full of info. We start, of course, with the rugby origin story, which is my MO right now. But Katie's whole life seems to be bringing back into the folds of rugby even at times when she thought she would be leaving, we'll say. There's just a little bit of audio that drop out, but it's not too bad. The only thing that's real important that you need to know is her guess her first position. Oh, it's the first position that so many people play. Which one is it? Drum roll? Oh yeah, you got it. Wing. Yeah, but you can pick that up from context as we go along. And, you know, there's just so much after that that who knows if you'll even remember the beginning by the time you get to the end. Katie's done a lot of work with USA Rugby as a coach and and became a refer is a referee, didn't became one and continues to be a referee and and is currently doing a PhD program that all by happenstance turned into a rugby and concussion study as well. So here we go. I'm going to stop yapping and let you guys jump into it. Thank you so much for being here and supporting this production. It wouldn't exist if it wasn't for y'all listening along and volunteering to come on the show. And I so appreciate it. We're just having a good old time here. Until next time, have fun. I'll see you on the other side. Hi, Katie. Hey, I made it. You made it. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. So stoked to talk to you. I mean, that 10 minutes that we just chatted was awesome. So let's see what happens here. <laughs> Great. Yeah, made my day already. Anytime you can talk rugby. Seriously, it's everything. Um, oh, before, okay, so before we totally jump into it, what are your pronouns? Oh, she, her, hers. Great. Thank you. So tell me, how did you find rugby? Yeah, so uh, rugby found me. Uh-huh. Um, so I was kind of a super wild story. So I thought I was going to go to college for softball and was all set. And, you know, started to get to the point where I was kind of burnt out of it. I really didn't like it. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I just didn't like it. Like it was, I could bat three for three, make no errors and still lose one to zero because nobody hit me home. And so it didn't feel like one person had a huge impact on the outcome. Mm-hmm. And so I was super burnt out and took a military scholarship and um, had some health issues. So then I had to withdraw from that and uh, just kind of started playing college basketball. And I was very happy with that. But I was like commuting. I was living at home. There was just like a lot of mental health things going on. And so it was like, I need to get out of this situation. Like I'm loving basketball, but I got a bunch of concussions playing basketball in college. Wow. It wasn't good. And so I, 
I was like, this isn't sustainable. And so my brother had just transferred to Northern Illinois, which is actually my dad's alma mater where he did his master's. And so I was like, okay, that's close enough to home. Like, you know, I need to kind of address some of these mental health issues head on. Like my brother's there if I need it, it's close to home. Like I got to move out. I got to, you know, take the next step. And uh, so I moved to Northern and I was there for less than a week, I think. And I was working out. I was just playing basketball. I was shooting hoops in the field house, you know, it was like open rec hours and these girls come up to me and they're like, you, and I'm kind of like looking at them like, wow, okay. They don't look like the club basketball team, but Mm -hmm. okay. Like whatever, fine. So Mm -hmm. I pack up my stuff and I start to walk away. And then like these two girls, um, pretty sure it was Rose DiBalsamo and Lizzie Bristow. And, uh, they were like, wait, get back here. I was like, wait, what? Okay. And they're like, (laughs) do you want to play rugby? And I was like, I mean, I've never played and I just transferred here three days ago. And like, I just had my first day of classes, but okay, sure. Like clearly clearly a very impressionable youth. Yeah. (laughs) And um, it honestly was probably the best thing for me because then all of a sudden, you know, outside of people that were in my classes in dorms, um, Mm -hmm. residence halls, uh, you know, I had this community right away. So it was like, oh, hello. Okay, sure. Cool. And um yeah, the rest is history. Like, they caught me in January, so I got to play that full spring season with them Fun. and yeah. played the rest of my collegiate career with them. Man, you were just, like, right place, right time on the basketball court, huh? Yeah, seriously. Yeah. I mean, they were like, you look athletic. And I was like, well, yeah, like, I, I guess. Like, <laughs> you know, sure. Like, you can say uh, that. Yeah, wow. You know, I, I also just, like, want to go back to this for a second. I didn't know that concussions were really common in basketball. Are they? Oh, so, so it's one of those things, right? Like, what's that old quote? I'm going to misquote it, where it's like, there's like three things in the world, the truth, lies, and statistics. Uh. And, you know, it's kind of like <laughs> liars figure and figures lie, you know, like, mm. you know, obviously, like data is kind of on the forefront of people's mind right now with COVID. Of course. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, like my, my, my parents, my friends and family, they kind of come to me for like research interpretation. I know that's what I do and so I was kind yeah. of cheeky. I was being cheeky just recently to them saying like hey you know there's a million ways you can interpret the same data set you know like this Johnson and Johnson uh blood clot thing you know I was yeah. like I was like you know technically the incidence rate is lower than what we'd expect in the common population so if we really wanted to be cheeky we could say oh it actually reduces Maybe your risk of blood clot <laughs> right exactly like yeah that is, right and that's obviously a terrible interpretation of science sure. and data Sure. But, you know, that's kind of what happens. And so, um, you know, concussions, it's kind of the same thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, we have people say like, okay, well, what's the worst sports? And I'm like, okay, well, how do you want me to define that? Because if, if we're talking like, you know, absolute number of concussions that happen on your team in a season, the answer is football because there's 120 players on the field. So statistically right. speaking, it's if a just huge 5%. Pool. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So just absolute number. And then if we start to look at things like um, athletic exposure, so one player at one practice is one athletic exposure, then it starts to kind of even that playing field in terms of data, but which actually like recent evidence just came out saying rugby was the worst in terms of athletic exposure. And I had shared that on rugby forums and people accused me of trying to cancel culture rugby, which I just thought was horrendously ironic. Yeah. (laughs) Because you're like, like, I'm dead. 
life to this. Yeah, so I was like, thank you Uh-oh. for sliding into my DMs, you know, 60 year old, old white man. Like, I really appreciate your opinion. Uh-huh. But, however, please uh, do not contact me again. <laughs> yeah, please DTFO. <laughs> right. Like, if you want to have a discussion, like, please email my work email and we can have, you can invite me and, you know, pay me to do what I do for a living. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Internet culture uh, yeah, is. So- toxic though oh, it totally is yeah. yeah so yeah but basketball it's definitely common and unfortunately for me I was a, a very aggressive player which obviously led for a great transition to rugby uh-huh. um, and in college you know I basically got told hey if you want to start you're going to be a forward and I was like great I was recruited as a point guard and I'm five foot eight so that's a standard height so now I'm going to be playing forward against six foot two six foot three so yeah, yeah I just got a lot of like elbows to the head just like yeah unfortunate kind of like you said wrong place at the wrong time so then yeah it led me to rugby being at the right place at the right time and yeah you know never got hurt playing rugby so go figure <laughs> nice <laughs> I actually love that <laughs> that basketball. yeah but I'm it's sure like you a... were just like doing the most trying to perform and compete being like under being short shorter yeah yeah, yeah it's like we've yeah. all seen that scrum half that's like oh my going god hard into every tackle you're like that's it like takes the down the props yeah right like that yes. was me on the basketball court so I was like all right I got no choice like if yeah. I want to put points up right I gotta get after it I mean I'm yeah. sure that made you a great player too it's it's both you know it's you putting yourself at risk and obviously suffered these concussions but <laughs> what like it was a way to survive yeah there. yeah you I mean it's the know, only you're, way you're, to be successful you're, yeah you're 19 you're resilient young yeah. you know it's kind of like you think you're invincible right, right exactly <laughs> yeah cool well what did you think when you so you just like stayed on the basketball court when they invited <laughs> yeah I was like cool. okay whatever like I don't have homework tonight sure yeah um what was it like yeah, so it was definitely, like, I feel like I just blacked it out. Like, I remember Lizzie teaching me how to pass and, like, obviously being, like, oh, what the heck? Like, I'm not good at this quite right away. Like, <laughs> but I but I could be. Like, I've always been good at sports. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, like, admittedly, I played tackle football growing up because I wanted mm. to do everything my brother did. Oh, my God. So, I have that complex, too. Um, so I played tackle football. And the worst thing that you could do when you're the younger sister of – a boy is be the starting quarterback on your brother's tackle football team. Um, he hated you. Yeah. And you know, now that I'm older and I can reflect upon that, I'm like, Oh, that must've been so terrible for him. Like Mm -hmm. he probably got so much banter hit in his direction. Yeah. You know, but, um, so like I had that experience, like I knew how to tackle, I wasn't afraid of it. So it was kind of like, they're kind of like, okay, great. You know? And then in classic rugby, um, world, they were like, okay, you know, we've got this first game, like you're going to be, naturally yeah, like of course. you know where else do you put him like we think you'll you know, be safe I, there right like I knew nothing about the law book like I'm like uh-huh. oh my gosh okay I've got no idea what I'm doing sure just and like I remember the captain B we called her BZ Brittany Zeller she was just like if the ball gets out to you just catch it and run and I was like okay and I scored three tries in my first game and she was like what? are you kidding me and I was like wait that's good like, again, I had no clue. Like, I was like, wow. it's three, a normal, like, I'm nor- I'm used to basketball where I'm like, all right, 30 points, that's a lightning game. Like, I'm happy yeah. if I get 10. Sure. So I was like, I don't know. Like, is this normal? And, like, I was just so fortunate to just be playing with such a skilled team right off the bat. Like, that just fell, fell in my yeah. lap. <laughs> it sounds like they set you up well. Yeah, so I was like, Yeah, okay, they set you so up I to think succeed. after, like, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think after like my first semester, they were like, "Yeah, you're gonna be a fullback now," and I was like, "Okay, okay, sure." Oh, cool. Still don't know what that means, but I'll learn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so you had like the speed, and you'd figured out like, well, I mean, wingers pass, sure, but like the more first they catch, so you already had good hands. I'm sure, that, like right. from basketball, that that made you uh, useful to go back in the fullback. What did you think when you got back there? I loved it because it was one of those, you know, it's like. It's a control thing, right? Like you mm-hmm. get to see everything around you. You know what's going on, and mm-hmm. um, you know I'm sure it's there's a probably some deep. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm sure there's some deep-rooted psychology that can be analyzed here. Yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah, <laughs> so I, I just loved it that I could start to see everything, and then you know as I started playing at different levels and started really getting to know the nuances of it, and mm-hmm. that too. You're not trying to say that you have control issues, are you? Only <laughs> <laughs> slightly, you know. Oh my god. But have you ever met a women's rugby player that doesn't have some control yeah, issues? Right, right. <laughs> like, exactly, right. Like, it comes with it? the package. Yeah, we are not, we're natural leaders. You know, we love to learn. We love to like be challenged that way. It's, it's, it's a thing. It's so true. It's a thing. It yeah. It does yeah it's strong, true. aggressive, controlled. There you go. Strong, yeah. independent strong woman, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. It makes us great rugby players, honestly. Uh-huh. I like that positive spin. There we go. That's me. I'm forever an optimist. I won't quit. I can't. I literally can't. So, <laughs> yeah. So, did you love it? Did you just love oh, it? I mean, gosh. you were burnt out on soft like basketball kind of too yeah oh my god I loved it immediately and my parents are like my number one supporters so Uh I think initially they were kind of like you know you had a lot of concussions from basketball but I think they were just like so happy to see that I made this like positive improvement in my mental health and Mm. like this transition to living away from home and like found this niche in this community right away um and so it was just, you know, it just opened up a community where I could, like, be myself and get to know other people and, like, get out of my, like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, sheltered, white, Christian, suburbia neighborhood yeah. that I grew up in. Yep. It's a narrow <laughs> yeah. perspective, right? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh. You just don't realize it. And then you leave and you're like, what do you mean you're, you, have, you don't have two parents? What do you mean you don't have parents that are married or two cars in the driveway or right. parents with a master's degree it's like yeah oh I'm actually a minority here yeah like in that yeah. sense of like my privilege is so high mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um yeah so that in of itself was just so huge I needed that like yeah just like the social aspect too of like oh like there are gay people on the rugby team and your family loves you and that's okay like it's okay to tell your family or like wait you can be gay and get a good job like that's a thing like you just have this such closed off mindset of thinking like oh no you gotta fall in line and it was like oh my gosh wait there's a whole world outside of there like Mm -hmm. yeah I think that's really beautiful like like rugby's just provides space for people to be themselves and like come to a common a common goal but also the exposure definitely huge I've heard that from so many people I know it was true for me too like I wasn't I honestly like in high school I I was in band I was a band kid and there was like gay boys but I don't specifically remember there being like any gay women gay girls like out maybe there was one but they like 
weren't accessible and same I grew up in like white suburbia there were very few people of color and it was affluent as hell we didn't have the most but like a lot of people did and uh yeah it was so cool and then and then coming to the rugby team too was also like oh yeah people have all these different identities and backgrounds but like they don't really matter everybody has equal value exactly yeah like it was just so good yeah it was mm -hmm life-changing yeah maybe we should just start enrolling everyone in rugby see if that improves you know relations across the country yeah exactly yeah can we fix the american culture with rugby maybe yeah yeah i mean it takes the sport from england to fix american culture right yeah Yeah. we've been trading things back and forth for a long time you know yeah i mean there's there's definitely something built into rugby that is just like tolerant and inclusive Um, absolutely yeah and like just values all bodies and especially for women but like it it's true in a lot of men's teams too that they they're just like chiller oh my gosh so much easier to get along with like really don't care where you're coming from or just like oh you're here you want to do this this is awesome yeah I mean and we were so fortunate at northern Illinois that like we had a great relationship with our men's team like I knew that you know if I had if I someone's following me at night at the street I've got three guys backing me up saying like Mm -hmm. they you know those were our brothers and you know so they were great yeah the same in college like bringing us home from 18 and over dance fishbowl night like in the car like you can always find a dd and that's something about rugby there's a lot of care involved in it yeah and you just really don't have that with other sports you know again Mm -hmm. coming from like a basketball perspective like we didn't have that relationship with the men's basketball team sure like, no way like we weren't you know going out and partying with them and they had our backs it was just like ah, they're there like I guess it's okay like mm-hmm. it's like this makes no sense we have so much in common why are we not all friends and hanging out like yeah whereas rugby is like yes we also like beer please be our friends yeah exactly and the and the, you're like oh we also want to hang out with the other team the whole right I mean, it's I don't even know like first of all I'm so grateful that that's a thing I'm so grateful came over here from England but like you know it does does it speak to like past times of like people being like more connected in their communities and like now we're just benefiting as our culture has become so much more individual that we still have this like niche of community of like proper I mean it just is I can't even say it's something different it's community it, that's exactly it, right? We're so connected. I mean, nationwide, internationally, yeah. really. Yeah. yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, some way, somehow, you can travel to any state in the U.S. and you know, get connected to a rugger and or someone, your former teammate or your teammate's ex or something. It's yeah, like, oh, yeah, you can, you can, you know, you can crash on my couch. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. Like, are you just go to a bar wearing a rugby shirt and someone's just gonna say, "Hey, my kid plays rugby. Let's talk. Let me buy yep. you a pint." Or, you know, I played rugby once, or that's pretty wicked. I saw that on the Olympics, and it's like, yeah. yeah. I was like, you just don't, and you don't have that with, you know, no one wears a Chicago Bulls jersey, and someone says, hey, I, played I love the Bulls. Too. Yeah. Right, exactly. Like, mm-hmm. chances are the person wearing it's probably like, oh, I never played basketball. I'm just a fan, or whatever. Yeah. And plus, you have this unique, like, re engagement that you have in rugby that you just don't have in other sports here. You know, like, most college athletes, right, if you played basketball, you graduate and you never play again and you probably mm-hmm. don't coach or work as an admin or anything unless mm-hmm. like it's your kid's seven-year-old peewee team like right yeah you know whereas like rugby it's like okay I tore my ACL I can't play anymore but maybe I can coach or maybe I can rest or maybe right. I can admin 
Or I can still attend the games because I'm part of the team. Yeah. I mean, even the fact that we can play club rugby after college is... Exactly. It's so so different. Like, other sports, there's, like, rec leagues. You can, like, do beer leagues. And it de- first of all, that depends on where you are. I think the most yeah, right. of those you are in, like, in, like major a, cities. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, but, like, there's club rugby teams in small towns. They're everywhere. I mean, right. across the states. Across Europe. I mean, they're everywhere. So, I mean, that's the majority of, you know, registered participants with USA Rugby is, you know, these amateur club league teams. Yeah. Wow. I, I think it's like I think it's like tied between the club and the college. Yeah, but yeah, That's significant though because yeah. most most athletes after college just find themselves exactly and they pick where? up golf e- or something. Yeah, sure. like- <laughs> or or they just like career grind, which is totally a system trap, a programming, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, we all have to do it. Like, I, yeah. I'm not I'm not trying to hate on anybody, but like life is more than just work. And exactly. r- rugby's always like teaching us that and showing us that, like how much joy, like how much value we can have in ourselves that isn't directly connected to our work. Except you, you just did it all, and now you're you're just like a a career rugger. Yeah, I couldn't get away from it. I tried. Yeah. So, okay, let's <laughs> up a little because we just chatting away. But like, so you played in college. And yep. after you graduated, you, you had an, there was a car accident, right? Yeah. So I, I played with the Chicago Lions sevens and we went to nationals and that was great. Loved it. And learned a lot from those teammates. And um, so I was like, okay, great. You know, I had this unique opportunity where I was getting a lot of exposure, but it was like, okay, well, whatever. Um, I'm going to grad school. I got a full ride to go to graduate school at Wake Forest. Yeah, it was my top choice. So I was like, okay, Ooh. I'm moving to North Carolina. And it's like, that's a really different again, climate. Yeah. And so, again, you know, it's like this big, another big stop, you know, for me as someone who is very much so a homebody to mm-hmm. get away from, from home and really get away from home. Um, sure. You know, it's not 45 minutes away anymore. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, great. And I'm getting all set to move and I'm coming off this high from nationals and like, okay, great. Like, are there any teams in the area? Nope. Mm-hmm. Like the closest at the time, really the closest division one, there wasn't even a D one team at the time in North Carolina. So I was like, Oh, okay. Um, maybe there's D two. And so I could have gone to Raleigh or Charlotte, which yeah, unfortunately, played against Raleigh. Yeah. Where unfortunately yeah. where I lived was um, Winston-Salem. So it would have been 90 minutes or 75 mm-hmm. minutes each way. So it was like, okay, that's probably not an option. Like that's not sustainable as a graduate student working full time. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, like I'll just hang out and like wake women's had a team and I still had eligibility years. So I was like, okay, maybe I'll get play with wake, but it was like, okay, it's a school of two, you know, 4,000 students, half Mm -hmm. are women, you know, knock off 10% or student athletes. Plus there's 200 clubs on campus and there's 75% Greek life. So it was like, okay. They were like, like, yeah, we can't even get a sevens team. So I was like, yeah. oh, I'm going to get hurt if I play with you guys and gals. Yeah, um, that, I so mean, I was, it's not surprising. That's such a small school. Yeah, small yeah. school one school. Yeah, and so yeah. Uh, I was like, okay, um, whatever, take a break. And I started working with the men's team um, mm-hmm. and helping out them with some of their strength and conditioning and stuff. And Cool. Um, I got. I was leaving work. And it was just a freak accident. Somebody was speeding. The lanes went from three to one really quick. 
and this jerk like three cars ahead of us just crossed all three lanes knocked over cones and cut everyone off so everyone just went to a complete stop so then mm -hmm. I go to a complete stop the car behind me goes to a complete stop the car behind them hits her she her car hits me my car hits the car in front of me it's Ugh. just terrible and you know it's one of those where you see it's coming you're like oh no 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 uh-huh um, but you can't do anything yeah right it was so terrible and I was about to um I was supposed to propose my thesis the next day I still mm. did but it was just terrible I felt awful and mm. so you know so obviously I, I knew right away I was like oh crap I've got a concussion and you know unfortunately yeah again everything kind of goes full full circle with me working with concussions now and yeah I uh I, I did not get the treatment that I needed for my concussion like I probably sincerely needed to be referred to vestibular physical therapy um because I was having you know some vertigo issues I was having headache symptoms for about nine months you know it put a strain on my relationship wow. at the time of course put a strain on you know just other relationships too and just my work course, and my stress yeah so it was just so terrible mm -hmm. um you know and I was a like I was still symptomatic up until about my thesis defense and that was terrible too and I just remember going into that going well they can't fail me because I'm concussed so um you know jokes on you <laughs> right yeah like I was like I have to go through that I mean oh, you're not yourself so when you're concussed you, like you don't function <laughs> the way that you do it yeah. normally yeah no. yeah yeah and like I had clinicals so it's like you know you're getting up at 5 a.m some days and other days you're not and you're trying to study it's just yeah it was it was not ideal at all and you know I should have gotten you know sought out to get accommodations and I didn't mm -hmm. um you just kind of yeah, didn't I, know what to do though right yeah like it was like all of a sudden like oh yeah I'm like nobody cares about me Mm. And that's also like really eye opening too. From Damn, that like sucks. A, yeah, from like a like a student perspective is like, oh my gosh, like one student athletes are really their hands are held, and two, mm -hmm. man, you're really you know alone on a deserted island as just a student with nobody looking out for you sure. but yourself. And so, sure. you know, you have to be an advocate for your health. And you know, I should have gone back to the doctors and said, hey you know, this is malpractice, you know, we know sitting in a dark room until you feel better for concussions is what's going to help you. You know, we've proved right. that years ago, but why are we still telling yeah. people to do that? And so, uh, yeah, I really didn't get the treatment that I needed for those symptoms. And, uh, you know, they definitely I had some, you know, lingering deficit quite some time. Yeah. I'm. Wow. That's a lot. I mean, but, yeah. So it, that kind of led it, me to being like, well, I'm done with rugby. <laughs> Yeah, like I think it was uh, like, uh, let's see, it probably the accident probably happened in like September or something. Mm -hmm. And uh, I texted my old teammate, uh, uh, Nikki Edgecombe, Neutro, and uh, she was a referee as well as a player for the Chicago Lions with me. And I said, hey, like I got this side concussion. I, I don't think I could play rugby. You know, I, I've got this fear of hitting my head yeah. die or something and because uh, you actually like, can you know that's not like an yeah. <laughs> irrational <laughs> fear you know like okay um so she's like yeah go get your ref cert and I was like oh there's a class in North Carolina next month okay I guess I'll go take that um hell yeah so I was like super concussed I felt so bad um you know the guys in the core uh John and Nigel ended up 
becoming lifelong friends of mine uh, with Southeast Refugee Societies, but at the time I just felt like such a a big, I really can't do a lot of these drills, I'm not supposed to be running, I'm concussed, and uh, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. all these things, so I felt like a baby, Um, and I think I was like the only woman there, you know, there's all these things, I was like, oh, okay, but uh, SIRS was so great to me, They, they were so good, my first match, I got to get mic'd up, and I had ref coached by Amanda Cox, ah, who's just cool. one of the greatest ref coaches out there. And um, yeah, it was it was the worst game you could have ever ref. We had to cancel it thirty five in. Dude, oh no! <laughs> yeah, it was a college wow. D three match. And, oh um, no! I think we had five injuries, probably like two concussions, an ACL, and like two other injuries. My God, it was just all over hour. the place. Yeah, yeah, they were playing. They were playing down 12 against 13, like no numbers. And um, Mandy got on the mic and was like, all right, hit it with a triple whistle. This game's over. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> she was like, none yeah. of that was your fault. Like, but it was, you know, so they were so good. And uh, that same year, I, I um, got connected with USA Rugby Training and Education. They were hiring educators um, to teach you know, these coaching courses and ref courses and strength and conditioning <laughs> courses. And uh, Kelly Sullivan. Was oh, char- I know her. I played yeah. with her at Glendale. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Okay. So yeah. Kelly was working at, at the national office at the time and yep. she played as a grad student at Illinois state. So we knew each other that way. We <laughs> kind of uh, played against each other in college. And so I go, I, I messaged her and I said, Hey Kelly, like I see they're posting, you know, I have some teaching experience. Like I teach as a grad student. I'm getting this master's in health and exercise science. Do you think I'm qualified for the strength and conditioning role? And she was like, absolutely do it. And so here I, I, here I was 23 years old. Like, what am I doing? And uh-huh. I got, they, they accepted me. So then I flew out to Colorado that fall and fall of 2016 and, you know, did the educator course nice. and with, you know, three other great women or two other great women did the SEC with me. Mm-hmm. and uh met some lifelong friends doing that and you know i've been working for training and education as a contractor for teaching strength and conditioning and more recently rough courses for the last five cool. years now you know again wow. it was just because like it was just a simple message had kelly not given me that positive support i would have been like well whatever i'm not you know sure. i'm not qualified and that's kind of been like a general theme we've seen a lot in women's rugby is like you know we pull each other back in yes yeah one we you know we like we in, we don't let you think, go yeah I also think we do do exactly what I did is where we doubt ourselves we go oh I'm not qualified mm. and so then who ends up take applying for that position and in, in rugby admin it's you know it's the old guard right yeah. you know it's you know we all can picture that person in our head and yeah you know it's like no let's get a BIPOC individual in there let's get a yeah. woman in there let's get someone from a different you know cultural background in there like sure. why do we yeah, need to keep having the same change. mold exactly mm-hmm. and so like all it takes is yeah so it's like we just got to keep promoting each other and say no you are valued and also just apply what's the worst that can happen they say no okay yeah like, yeah for sure. <laughs> i was 23 like it's not like it was a full-time job like i had nothing to lose right yeah i mean that's so amazing just like these connections because it was one of your teammates from the from chicago that got you in the ref got you looking about the ref course and then another one that brought you back in and then sully that brought you back into usa rugby and like wow i want to say like not everybody has the same experience as you like this is amazing i love hearing (laughs) your story but like we do that you know we there's just like i said there's care there's like care involved and like support involved to just be like do it man 
Like, yeah, you like don't I had that don't doubt your abilities. Happened. We do that I on the field. That... We do that in in real life too. Yeah, I probably would have just you know talked it up and walked away from rugby for the rest of my life and been like, oh, whatever, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's but... it served its purpose. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, but not still. I mean, you're just still going. This is so neat. Like, what do you think? <clears throat> oh, let's do this. Besides being concussed what do you think were there some things that you were able to take from being a player into being a referee and like how did that translate for you oh gosh I wish I took the ref course as a player I say oh my this God. to every yes. player I was like you know you can read the law book and that's great but there's just so much nuance to the law right because laws can be interpreted yep and um you know there's so much nuance that you just don't pick up on from reading the law book, right? You know, yeah. like the the greatest thing about rugby is everyone knows exactly what happens by mm-hmm. the whistle tone, right? Every other sport doesn't have that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry, all this pollen. Um, yeah, I get it. Yeah. So, um, you know, like football, right? Two, two, two. Okay. Was that offsides? Was that pass interference? Was you got to wait the for that. Right. I have no clue. You know, rugby loud angry whistle oh gosh somebody committed a penalty you know yeah short two like okay that probably went out of bounds or we got a knock on you know either way Mm -hmm. we have you know a stoppage in play and we're having a a reset piece and so yeah um, yeah like I just I I wish I wish I wish I knew that oh man that would have saved me as a player yeah and just uh for sure oh makes you such a better player yeah I think they're I know before I left um Baltimore Chesa- uh, before I left Chesapeake in Baltimore oh, yeah. I took a, a women or a level one class too, a level one ref course just because they they wanted you to have like at least one on the team like USA yes. Rugby encourages you to have one at least one but I went with a couple players and it was yeah. it was awesome I by that time I've been playing rugby for a while and I played a lot of different positions so I picked up on I you know I don't know that I specifically knew the whistle but I knew all the arm markings all the hand signals to see what we were doing but like you're it is like you can play better you can play smarter and you can flow you can like be more efficient if you understand what the ref is trying to do and even just like take their their perspective into consideration because that's what I was gonna say yeah yeah now now you realize it's not that easy you know my Uh. favorite my uh the guy that got me in uh refing with sir is Nigel you know, I asked him, I said, you're so good at refing. You know, how'd you get into refing? He said, well, I was cussing out a ref back home <laughs> in England. And he said, well, why don't you try it? So I did. And I said, so you started refing out of spite. He's like, absolutely. And I was like, all right, spot on. <laughs> like, that's, that's pretty cool. So, you know, yeah. we used to do that at Wake Forest where at practice we'd give a player a whistle and I would shadow them and, uh, you know, I'd yell at them wow. for missing a call and, and, you know, hey, speak up louder. And all of a sudden they realize, oh, there's a lot going on. I don't know what sure. to look for. And it's like, yes, referees are athletes too. Like, absolutely. Just like you, just like you screw up on the field, yeah. you have an unathletic moment or a brain fart moment. We do too. So you need uh-huh. to give the ref, you know, you need to give the ref uh, some, some credit because they're mm-hmm. an athlete. Some they're space. trying to perform. Yeah. So don't be cussing at them because also, one, that's not going to get you anything, but it's that penalty. Right. <laughs> right. They have so, like, you just have so much as a ref to see. I mean, think of, I guess you're a backline player, but like I played forwards a lot. There's, yeah. You're in such a narrow space when you're playing forwards. You're just like hitting this, hitting that, supporting, this, setting this up, running. Like, 
that's not the only things that they do but you think about like how narrow that lens is and then I was I was wondering I'll bring this back to you because when you end up you move farther out of the pack and then especially when you move back to 15 you see a lot more Mm-hmm. And you, you're like challenged to interpret a lot more information before you act or like yeah. as you're trying to make the decisions. And I wonder if you can see how that may be um, related to your your refereeing. Yeah. So I think, uh, you know, it's so easy when you're a new ref to be sucked into player mode. Mm-hmm. You, you, you know, you see the ball and you want to follow the ball and what ends up happening is you run twice to, twice as many meters, if not more, in a match than you need to. You know, uh-huh. so being a ref is is essentially how can you maximize your laziness to improve your outcomes? And I know that's <laughs> okay. It's efficiency. It's exactly. <laughs> no, that's exactly it. So how can I how can I anticipate what the next move is? You know, what's the expected outcome here? Mm-hmm. and get out of line because one I don't want to be in the player's way they certainly don't want me in their way right but also how can I be in a good position for the next play that's about to happen so we still have flow yeah. um you know and so I think you know that's one of the hardest thing that took me multiple I mean into my second third year of refing to really yeah. get past that because it's so easy to get stuck back in like oh that was exciting something's happening oh yeah. the ball's gone you know or oh yep. they kicked it and um and also just the other little things like, you know, you could be watching that rock and that's great, but what about that winger that's creeping off sides now? Yes. You know, you have to see everything. And so it's a, you kind of start to find that nuance of, okay, how do I make it so that I don't have to keep checking for off sides? You know, I need, okay, so 14 oh, blue yeah. back, you know, so now, now blue knows I'm watching them. So now maybe yep. I don't need to check them as often every now and then I'll give them a check, especially if you don't have an assistant referee, you know, sure. so 14 blue or Hey hands, you know, so just those quick, concise words that you can use to let the players think you're watching, even if you may not be, but uh-huh. it, it still allows you to kind of see everything without actually seeing it sometimes. Yeah. I love that. That's so cool. Um, just to think about the other side of it, because I know like myself as a player, what I mean, I try to get things over on the ref. I try to only see what I can get away with. And also because like it's strategy on like how to play the game and because you can't see everything. So, and like once you, isn't, is it kind of, it's, I think I remember this from my 100, my level 100 course is kind of like, if you don't enforce things, certain things like right away, you kind of can't, you know, like you're supposed to be consistent and just like if you enforce something with one side, then you need to enforce it with the other to be like, that's what makes you a good ref. So it's like sometimes you 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 can find little ways that you can tweak your play. I think it's yeah. similar the way you can find ways that you tweak your refereeing. Exactly. And and you mm-hmm. know, I did that in basketball, you know, hey, the referees called the oh, hand yeah. checks today, so don't hand check. Okay, fine, whatever. Or yeah. uh, they're not calling over the back, so go ahead, jump over their back. So same with rugby and, and that's what they teach the ref coaches, you know, the coaching master officials is you know, you're just asking them, you're pulling information out at halftime, but you're not changing anything per se. You can yeah. say, hey, you need to watch the offsides. But if, if you know, they've been calling the high tackle at nipple level, you can't yeah. tell them, hey, the law says this, you need to make it armpit level because now, like you said, the players have adjusted. Okay, so we need mm-hmm. to get below the nipple, you know, mm-hmm. for our tackles. Otherwise, it's a penalty, you know, because yeah. you – and then you kind of back yourself into a corner. So that's like the number one thing is they're like, set the standard, set it right away. You know, players know, hey, 
that was offsides. That's hands in. That's a high tackle. That's a ruck. That's not a ruck. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that seems like an enormous amount of pressure just to like set the <laughs> stage in the first like five minutes. Yeah. And then I, to keep I think those... it's tough. It's a fine line of like remembering that the game is not about you. And unfortunately, there are referees that think that. <laughs> We've all um, been there. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's a fine line of remembering like you're just here to make sure things are safe and fair. Mm-hmm. Nothing about this is about you as a referee. You know, yeah. Yes, and trying referee, to like. Flow. You should be trying to get better and 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 improve your refereeing skills. And each, yeah. you know, the second you leave a field thinking you just ref the perfect match, you should put the whistle down for the rest of your life. You know, yeah, for sure. You're never, it's just like just like being a rugby player. You know, yeah. you you got to keep growing. You got to keep learning. You can pay yeah. thirty years. Exactly. You, know, you can play fifteen years. You're going to learn more things. You should be anyway. That's like yeah. that's proper. That's the way this. That's the way this is supposed to work. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow, I love that. You just gave me so much insight and like thought into into refereeing. Oh, wow. So cool. <laughs> That's good. So yeah. Cool. <clears throat> love, yeah, I love, love thy it. ref. Love thy ref. Yeah. How about I <laughs> love thy ref? Yeah. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Thank you, yeah. madam. <laughs> you know, thank you, ma'am. Um, and like how did you get how did you end up getting into this PhD program about concussion? Concussion with concussion yeah. work. So, you know, again, life kind of goes full circle as, you know, I was like, I'm, you know, I'm never going to make rugby my identity. You know, that's so foolish. Why would I do that? You know, you're going to leave rugby eventually. Don't make it your identity. (laughs) I talked talked so much smack about that. And Uh I was working for training and education, refereeing and and coaching at Wake with the boys team. And, and um, so I knew I wanted to get my PhD eventually. I, I just, I wasn't sure, like, set on where and when and so I stayed at Wake I worked full-time for a year which was a fantastic opportunity for me Mm -hmm. um and I started applying to PhD programs and I knew I wanted to do concussion work which was a left turn from my my feet my master's work which was on knee knee pain and knee osteoarthritis Mm -hmm. and so I knew that was going to kind of you know ding me essentially on applications because of course they're going to want people who did concussion stuff already but yeah. You know, I had this very personal investment of like, hey, you know, concussion kind of, you know, partially changed affected, your life. Yeah, it affected some of my military prospects and then my sports prospects and then all this stuff. And so, yeah, I was very interested in concussion and I, I wasn't quite sure what about concussion yet. And so I, I applied to two universities, University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, and mm-hmm. um I got connected to University of Delaware because uh, academia, just like rugby, it's all about who you know. And so yeah. there was a professor, a uh, guy, Jose, Dr. Jose, um, who worked for my master's advisor, Dr. Steve Messier. Uh-huh. And I was still working for Dr. Messier at the time. And uh, Joe went to Delaware for his undergrad and his PhD and then got a job working with the army doing biomechanics research and I was like I want your job Joe um basically like I was like yeah that your job sounds great um yeah and I was like do you know anybody doing concussion work concussion with the military and he was like yeah actually you should check out these people at Delaware and kind of gave us an introductory email so I got connected with um doctors uh Buzz Swanick and Tom Buckley at University of Delaware and had some great phone calls with them and they were putting in a grant together to look at concussion in the military. And I was like, this is exactly what I wanted to do. This is fantastic. Yeah. Um, so I got in and I got connected and 
unfortunately, you know, not everything worked out with grant funding. And so they, uh, they scored really highly on the grant and it didn't get funded. They resubmitted mm-hmm. and it scored worse um, oh. somehow. Um, and so it's weird get funded. Yeah. And so it was very bizarre. So this, this project of working with the military and looking at executive function training and reducing musculoskeletal injuries after a concussion, um, it didn't fund it. And so it was like, kind of like, oh, okay, shoot, what am I going to do my dissertation on now? Cause I was basically mm. brought in to do, to this. do that and, work. Yeah. yeah. And, um, we started talking and, and it really was Dr. Buckley, my main advisor now, Tom, it was really his kind of just kind of just through casual conversations. I mean, this is how so many things happen in research. It's just, you know, just shooting the spit and, um, what are your interests yeah so he knew I loved rugby he knew I was very involved in it and you know I had brought up the point that you know rugby is the only collision sport where men and women play by the same rules yeah every uh, every other sport is different right lacrosse is different ice hockey is different and so Mm -hmm. it's the only collision sport and again collision sports are just uh contact uh, contact? uh, is it yeah yeah it's it's essentially contact sports where contact is part of the rules like it's built into the game okay. whereas like contact sports are things like basketball where contact happens as a result of the game yeah uh-huh. so it's it's kind of like this weird definition where it's basically rugby wrestling boxing american football men's and then men's ice hockey and men's lacrosse yeah and so it's like okay cool so uh w- rugby is the only one where men and women are, are doing the same thing um sure and he was kind of like wait, that's really interesting. And um, we started got started talking and I, you know, he, re- he knew I had a lot of connections to rugby people. Sure. And um, we started this kind of side project that ended up turning into the entire first name of my dissertation, wow. um, where I looked at concussion and uh, subsequent musculoskeletal injury in community rugby players, and as well as like age of first exposure to contact and collision sport. Mm-hmm. on you know like patient reported outcomes yeah these rugby players so like I was able to get over a thousand subjects and you know wow. it's kind of like wait we can go somewhere very unique with this this is kind of innovative and so uh-huh. that's kind of the direction and so it was like oh my gosh again here I am thinking I'm leaving rugby behind <laughs> and, and, and now lol I'm like, Right. And now, you know, I'm the quote unquote rugby concussion guru. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm not. First off, let me finish the doctorate first and then get some more experience under my belt. But, Mm -hmm. you know, there's there's people out in the UK and Australia doing greater work than I am. Please, you know, don't view me as that. But yeah, it's um, it's yeah, it's it's gone full circle and I can't complain. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's it's a dream, honestly. I mean, to think like this is what your doctorate work is going to be. And uh, also I think it's so necessary. I know at the time that I had my first concussion is the sevens game. And I didn't, I didn't really know anything about it. So I imagine that like you doing this kind of research is just going to help the exposure and like help people be aware. And there's been a lot of other concussion highlights not that's not the way I want to say that like a lot more information coming about concussions especially like yeah. with that movie and but like we need more science like we need more data and we need more we need more people to like talk about this kind of thing because they they affect a lot more people than I think realize 
Right. And I think that's the thing, you know, and that's kind of what we showed with our first two manuscripts was just that, you know, it's, it's important, especially like I said, in those community rugby players where they make the majority of USA rugby's players. And you think about most adult teams, they don't have an assigned medical provider. Yeah. You know, each, each state is different, you know? So when I was with Southeast referees, they had to have um, somebody present at the game before you can start the match. That was the rule with the referee society was you had to have a medical provider, whether that's an EMT, a nurse, a physician, a PT, an athletic trainer, ideally an athletic trainer, you know, up here with East Penn, it's you either have to have a physician or a phone or a phone to call 911. And so I'm like, what? So I was like, so one, nobody's going to hire a physician. So some teams do require, some teams just with, with their own rule, they require mm-hmm. having an athletic trainer at each match. Sure. Um, others, it's just like, yeah, we got a cell phone. So then what ends up happening is I've had to, to go into medical mode because somebody yeah. gets hurt while I'm refereeing. And it's like, yeah. I, you're not paying me for this. And this is like another liability for me, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Absolutely. And it's just like not safe. Um, right. <laughs> and I, I even think about like the... Like, I'm not trying to hate on athletic trainers either, but I've had some really good ones and I've had some that like really don't have any kind of experience with rugby. And I imagine with concussion as well, you know, yeah, that, like that's my this first is... question is, have you done a rugby match before? Yeah. <laughs> and if they say yes, I'm like, oh, hallelujah, this is going to be good. You're going to be great. You know what to yep. do. Thank you. Goodbye. Whereas if they haven't, it's kind of like, oh, you're going to pee your pants you're gonna sure. be freaked out yeah yeah <laughs> like right. no play doesn't stop if somebody gets hurt you just run on they're like what, right. what, what do you mean like it's not like football or soccer I'm like no, no just run on like I'll make sure you don't get hurt you're fine mm-hmm. yeah and it's something it's like because I think maybe because rugby is such like a niche like there's not as much awareness of it there's not as many I don't know I don't know what it is but like hopefully all this work that you're doing and like our general knowledge increasing about rugby and about concussion is going to help bring everybody else along wow (laughs) (laughs) I told you I was going to do it I love it no I love it (laughs) (laughs) okay so tell me about the other work you've done with USA rugby what is this um the T&D committee yeah so um you know I don't know if you heard there was a a a pandemic about a year ago no way uh yeah (laughs) worldwide pandemonium pandemonium Uh, pandemic so you know it was you know so we the pandemic hits everything starts getting canceled people don't register you know so they're not sipping you know Mm -hmm. national events are canceled for rugby and it was just a conglomeration of things all at once and so then usa rugby files for bankruptcy probably like a week into the nationwide shutdowns and so part of the restructuring with the bankruptcy filing is that they have these committees. And so um, they're all um, like nominated positions. And then the heads of these committees essentially kind of um, picked people to kind of represent certain niches on the committees. And so we've got like the youth in high school, we've got the adult club, we've got um, training and development okay. and there's others that I'm probably missing off the top of my head we've got like a, a DEI committee um, headed by Lisa Rosen which is just fantastic because we all can afford to have more DEI in our life what um, is DEI oh sorry I just as I was saying that I was like I should probably spell that out um, diversity yeah. equity and inclusion um, oh, hell yeah. yeah so that's being yep. yeah exactly and so um, 
you know, we're trying to work on just kind of getting, you know, some DEI content integrated into the coaching courses and into the roughing courses and the admin courses, because, you know, we've all heard those horror stories of that coach, like, you know, misgendering somebody or the referee ignoring a transphobic comment or, you know, Mm. hate speech or, or, or whatever it have maybe, or just the fact that we don't have diversity in terms of, you know, insert variable here because it's all it's all over and so sure um yeah so katie worst um well technically dr katie worst i'll give her yeah that 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 shout out she earned that one shout Um, out yeah i she was our sports psych when i moved here to glendale what a great resource fantastic yeah katie is fantastic and then katie is also an educator with Mm -hmm. oh she's actually a trainer with um usa rugby and so we still kind of we cross paths a lot and so she got the head of this TND committee role and um, recommended me to, rec- um, to represent the like high performance sports performance side. And mm-hmm. so I'm helping out with that. And so a lot of it's just really, you know, kind of helping bring back the face and name of USA rugby. Cause I'm, I'm certain there's probably some mistrust after bankruptcy and, you yeah. know, and, and whatnot. And, and so, yeah, we're kind of helping to work with all these committees and integrating with the national office to kind of get, get everything going again and, you know, return to play protocols and getting courses going. And so um, that's been unique and it's, it's just been nice to kind of even just hop on zoom with, you know, eight other folks across the country once a month and just be like, Hey friends, like it's, it's honestly was just so nice when the pandemic hit, you know, to see all these folks and be like, you're Mm -hmm. alive. Like, yeah, that's my my connection. Yeah. Yeah. That's my friend in California. That's so-and-so in Colorado. And it's like, you almost yeah. don't even want to work. You just want to talk on Zoom <laughs> and just be like, please say something human to me. And, you know, uh-huh. now that the world's kind of spinning again, mm-hmm. um, you know, we don't necessarily have that need and desire, but it's still quite nice. I'm excited to see what you all figure out with USA Rugby because there has been a lot of like ups and downs and in, in clear, unclear bits of language I know about like inclusion and, and like everybody needs diversity training. You can be like the most woke person. That's really been, what do they say about anti-racism work? Is like, it never stops. It doesn't, right. That's, it doesn't. That's exactly it. You know, what's so interesting about the crossroads of my work and my fiance's work is, mm. um, you know, she works in student affairs. And so she's definitely more woke than me. And, you know, I was never taught these things. I had to seek it out and I had to learn these terms. And absolutely. And, and, you know, I learned from people actually in rugby, like my good friend yeah. Sanam Cotton was a gender women's studies major, and she now coaches with Memphis Inner City Rugby. And so, cool. like, she she taught me a lot of these words that I didn't know had words for. And, you know, mm-hmm. so Ash does, too, my fiance. And, like, I have to go to her when I'm actually writing my dissertation yeah. stuff sometimes and be like, is this the correct term? Because, unfortunately, science doesn't care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, you have to flip walk this fine line of you know we sex is in fact a biological variable for physiological functioning for certain variables mm-hmm. so we need to know your sex but also we but they're not equi- it's not equivalent. Your sex exactly sure. and it's not equivalent so, to gender exactly and so like I come across a lot of times in papers that I'm reviewing where they say oh you know like 51 you know we're male gender and like I'll you know, reply, like, I know it's pedantic, but I'm like, did you in fact ask gender on your sheets or did you ask sex? Like, because Mm -hmm. these, these are not equivalent. Like, you know, one is 
a biological variable and you know the other ones you know what you identify as and yeah. you know and i'm probably watching that definition even and, yeah well um, i mean we just don't have we haven't figured out all the language for this we're like in right. the midst of adapting our language to be inclusive and to yeah. like bring that into our thought and into right our and so we're definitely and, trying yeah like yeah. science is definitely trying like they're trying to ask like what is your sex assigned at birth mm-hmm. versus like what's your sex or mm-hmm. um or what's your gender exactly gender identity Mm -hmm. yeah and then we'll follow up with what's your gender identity and have an option for you know we have all the options or we try to add in like a prefer not to say because again like you don't want people to feel obligated to say stuff too and Mm -hmm. so yeah Yeah. it's it's definitely getting there but it's it is tough it's a lot uh, of work too yeah but like you said it doesn't stop you got it you Mm -hmm. gotta keep learning you know for sure and unlearning and challenging yourself I think it's right. such a beautiful thing. I love it, honestly. Like as an individual, I'm like, I love learning things. I don't know, not everybody in the world is like that. I think you are. Look at you, a PhD student. But like, <laughs> and I, I just, it gives you, it can give you more compassion. It can give you more empathy. But it also can just like, it can really change the way that you function in the world and like, oh my gosh, yeah. challenge you to be a better human and to just like grow. I don't. It's hard I to get put it just to work. Right, it just goes back to like you know like checking your privilege like I hate saying it Mm -hmm. but it's the reality it's like oh my gosh I am a cisgendered female like I have a lot more privilege than from white suburbia yes especially nowadays where we have all these you know terrible trans bands trying to go in place and you know know. I I love the work that rugby for all is doing you know yeah and I fully support it and 100% yeah, so it's it's tough. Like you it's know, tough, it's but we gotta battle. fight the man. You know, we exactly. we need to. We have to speak out. We have to be involved, and because like being complicit is is saying it's okay. It's like yeah. giving and giving space for these kinds of inequities to exist. Yeah, and I'm sure you saw it. Uh, you know, last summer World Rugby came out with that trans yeah. ban at the international yeah. level, and again, going back to you know the amazing connections of rugby was I the team that worked with you know the international athletes um you know Jenny Lou was part of it um Mm -hmm. because she knew that I was doing concussion work and ex-phys work and Mm -hmm. and then Lisa Rosen out of Colorado who's also Mm -hmm. an educator with me was like hey we need somebody from the medical standpoint to help us put together this document to respond to the trans ban so again that was just like one more hat that I got to throw my hand in yeah and um help out bless you and i I was so so proud of that work um and the work that u.s the u.s rugby did um Mm -hmm. to try to respond to that trans ban um it's still such an unfortunate thing and you know i think unfortunately it's this dichotomy of people thinking like okay do we permit it until we have data that says otherwise which obviously that was how we felt like yes it's fair until you find a way to show me that it's not yeah and um then there was the other end of the spectrum which world rugby kind of was coming in saying like it's unfair until we have data to prove that it is Mm -hmm. fair which is unfortunate and you know again going back to statistics you can use them and bend them in your favor and so i think it was you know really tough and i i recently listened to podcasts with uh grace mckenzie does that Oh yeah, the the rugby for all. She was actually on like an endurance sport podcast that popped up, and I think because so I follow cool. her on Instagram, yeah, it's uh, called. So oh, that's man. how I'm. That's how I'm there about because uh, oh, yeah, Grace cool. was working on it as well. Yeah, but she or yeah, she outlined the mm, the study that they actually used to make that ban, and it's not like 
they didn't use they didn't take data from cis uh, cis female cisgendered yeah. athletes against transgendered athletes they actually did like trans women against trans men and like yep. quad density and it's just like with 11 a- and, and they weren't athletes they were just regular people and it was only like 11 people I'm like I mean you you talked about data but like if we I almost think like if we knew how inaccurate this this bit of information that was gathered is on the big scale like how could we be okay with it you know even if it aligned with our views our personal views it's like it's different Exactly. And, and that ex- that extends to most research, unfortunately, not just this, you know, most research yeah. you see, it's like, oh, exercise study. And who were the subjects? Oh, 22 individuals at a large tier one university in the Midwest, ages 20 to 22. And it's like, okay, so senior exercise science majors. So yeah. 90, 90% white, you know, 80% male. You're like, okay, so how is that generalizable to the individuals with disabilities or mm-hmm. rights or just the or even the gen pop how can 22 people exactly. or 11 people like, are like a really small number how is this going to translate to the 50 year olds and the 60 year olds or the sure. 50 year olds with a chronic condition and so mm-hmm. yeah and so we're trying to and that's kind of you know again not like not that there's like a silver lining of terrible things like i hate saying that but like you know what we've seen in this like a lot of this, you know, civil unrest in the last year, we've seen a lot of push for improving that diversity and equity and inclusion. And, you know, our departments made that kind of a whole, like, how do we get more subjects outside of our department? You know, we need to stop getting white 20 year old college kids. Like we need to get the 30 year old BIPOC individuals, or we need to Mm -hmm. get East Asian individuals. And we just need a better pool. How do we recruit those? And people who have English as a second language, how do we recruit them as well? Because we shouldn't be dismissing them unless we have a good biological reason to dismiss them. Yeah. Mm. Wow. It's just a whole thing that we're coming around to, like realizing how exclusive our science can be and then, and then trying to reintegrate it. And, and yeah. (sighs) Wow. I mean, that's wonderful. It's wonderful that that work is like starting to be done and like, bless please push it forward thank you thank you for yeah. doing this and, <laughs> and that's the, why we were so stoked about my dissertation like we had 40 percent female and I was like oh my gosh like hallelujah like I guess again I would love to have a majority female but I was like oh my gosh a study with more than 20 percent 20 percent yeah exactly I was like oh my gosh yeah. this is amazing <laughs> uh-huh. yeah man it's so wonderful and it, I think like the thing on top of it too, that you're going to, you're going to always take and remember, it's just like, say like, yeah, I'm a scientist and this is my data. But like you said, you're questioning it too. And even on top of that is like, we have to remember that the things that we're doing affect people. Like they oh, affect absolutely. real people. And like, if you just, if you're so removed from that, that you're only looking at your science, you like, people deserve to have whatever they want. You know, they should, everybody should be able to play rugby. I don't care you know yeah that's so fun like I love to hear you say that because that's like the integration of my two worlds of rugby and science right like there's a huge push for open access in science right now is like yeah you know I shouldn't have to pay twenty dollars to um access this journal article that you know references this chronic condition that I have like Mm -hmm. and how it may improve my symptoms like why can't I read it and it's like oh because it's not open access and so we're seeing this big push for just that that like no everyone should have a right to education like if you're publishing it, like, let it be out there. And, I, and I'm a huge proponent for that. Like, 
Yeah. And that's why I always tell people, I'm like, you know, if, if you see my paper and, and you like it and you don't have access, just email me. Like, I'll, sure. I'll send it to you. Like, I have, <laughs> I have le- like, I have legal permission to send you my paper. Right. Like, good, good, good. It's lovely. I mean, let's do it. You know, ag- rugby's about access. It's about inclusion. That's it. Yeah. yeah. It's about valuing everyone. So I wonderful. Yeah. This has been such a great talk. I think, like, we basically touched on everything. We didn't get, like, hard into um, you finding, like, you coming out and finding your fiancé and having the space to be <laughs> to be gay. It was, so, it love was that. very funny. Yeah. Yeah. It was a funny story. Of, again, rugby haunted me. Uh- <laughs> So, that's okay like i don't know is it a haunting if you find a fiance yeah, or like no, no. or is this just like a haunting <laughs> a with like no yeah okay there we go i was like what's it the was... right word with a positive connotation <laughs> yeah we we met online like most you know like most folks do and and i said oh my gosh you play for south jersey i know your i know your coach uh-huh. and she immediately was like oh no like you, you like him and it's because i knew him from a professional referee standpoint um yeah it's because when I first moved here, I, I got scheduled to ref seven sevens matches and a 15s match in one day on my birthday. So mm-hmm. happy 25th birthday to me. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I don't know any of these refs. And they were like, oh, yeah, no, one of the refs knows you. And I was like, no, he doesn't. They're like, yeah, Chris. And I was like, I don't know, Chris. And I show up and, and there he is. And I was like, oh, my God, Chris. And I, I pull up my <laughs> Facebook and I go look at my profile photo. And it's me refereeing in Savannah at the Shamrock tournament. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and he's times. in the background yeah he's in the background as my touch judge holding ah. my flags and I was like you ran touch for me two years ago in Savannah and so we, he became my first rough friend out here because I just I didn't know anyone and there was, yeah yeah there was no diversity there's you know I was like the only female and I was like oh gosh I'm gonna hate it here yeah um and so then Ash was all concerned that I was like oh yeah I love Caress because she she only has coach version of Chris which is very different than you know ref and friend version of Chris so at first she was like oh my gosh I can't trust you (laughs) and then we kind (laughs) of realized that we had this like mixed relationship and I was like okay it works out okay okay it works out (laughs) (laughs) so I I give him a hard time I'm like you almost ruined my relationship before it happened (laughs) but no (laughs) everything works out (laughs) that's lovely that's so wonderful I love a good rugby love story you know yeah especially when it comes with some right like Mm -hmm. I I feel like rugby got us in the door like we wouldn't have said yes on each other if we didn't see the rugby in the bio 100 percent. yeah absolutely you can't like you can't swipe yeah, exactly. I don't know. You can't, you can't swipe no on somebody that's that's got rugby that they love rugby. Even if you're not like necessarily you think they could you'd be interested in them in a romantic way. You're just like, oh wait, we you're can just be like, friends. Oh my gosh, a rugby friend? Yes, please. Let's yeah, talk sports. We yeah. definitely need to talk about this and and see where it's been. I love that. <laughs> oh my so gosh, wonderful. That's so true. Mm-hmm. So wonderful. Wow, wow, what a what a great convo. I mean. We, we talked about so much I'm like so I'm still so impressed by all the work that you're doing but I'm also so grateful that you're doing it it's I'm so valuable like so endlessly yeah. valuable I think to like back to the community and that like also rugby's given you so much it's what you said rugby is the sport that keeps on giving right exactly I mean that's kind of the thing right like I, I feel like I owe it to, to rugby to give back and stay connected like yeah like you said it just given me so much I can't not as much as I try to pull away, I can't pull away from it. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. So lucky. We are, aren't we? Yeah. I, I Seriously, nothing else is like it. I'm like, gosh, thank God those people tried to 
kick me off they... the basketball court in 2013. <laughs> right. Yeah, for sure. Man, thank you so much for doing this. Um, oh, thank you so much for doing this and having me on. Yeah, please. It wouldn't exist if you didn't want to talk to me. So I'm just a facilitator and an editor. A lot of that. That's a lot of work. There's a lot of work yeah. that goes into it. Get, own up to it. It's so good. It is a lot of work, but it's so good. I love it. Um, do you want to give us a glory moment to close out this sesh? Yeah, sure. So um, the one that I th- thought of is kind of like a glory, sappy, sad, happy moment. Um, All of it. Great. Yeah. It's like every emotion in one. So um, <laughs> my senior year of college, I, um, we lost a dear friend on February 12th, 2015, Thaddeus Hopp. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was on the men's team and he passed away. And that just, you know, that was a, a terrible tragedy to the men's and women's community, you know, communities all across the country that knew him. Mm-hmm. And, and so that was just such a burden. And he was dating my teammates and our captain. And so it was just a huge blow to us. We had this big surprise. We had this big tournament at the end of our year. It's always like the last tournament of the year that we host NIU's Tournament of Champions. And so we renamed it that year, the Hup Cup. Oh. And so that was very exciting. And so we were like, we have to win this. We have to win this. So plot yeah. twist, I had mono. I should not have Ugh. been playing. I should not have <laughs> been playing. Oh, college all. rugby. <laughs> um. Yeah, I didn't find out till right after the tournament, actually. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, oh, that could have been so bad. Like, I found out that following week mm-hmm. um, that I had mono. But I'm like, oh, that explains the pain I had in my abdomen. Oh, um, my and the complete exhaustion that I was feeling. Like, I just I'm thought sure. it was, you know, me being a senior in college. Mm-hmm. And so Burnout. we had, yeah, so we had all this, there was all this team drama, though, with a, with a women's club team. And I don't even remember what it was about. It was probably something stupid. Um, and so we ended up playing this women's team in the championship and it's like, oh gosh, like they're so good and we have to win. We have to win. But they, there's also NIU alumni on this team that, that knew Thaddeus and they're going to want to win for Thaddeus too, you know? And so it's like, oh gosh, like y'all want to win this for this like very pure sentimental meaning. And, um, we won the game by like three points. Maybe I remember I, it was so gosh darn cold too and mm-hmm. and played our hearts out and I remember kicking the ball to the other team's fullback who actually was my vet when I was <laughs> joined the team so <laughs> now she's on the other team so and I remember tackling and um and swiping the ball before she could stand up to um mm-hmm. and scoring a try off of that and we missed the conversion so we're up 5-0 and then they scored I think they made the conversion so we're down by two and I remember there was a girl on our team, Kenzie, we called her Cho, and uh, there was just a, a few minutes left. We didn't even know how much time was left. It was so terrible, and and it was a two-on-one. I was able to get her open and pass it off to her, and she got a try. And I think it might have been her first try, if not her second try of her, <laughs> her season. So that cool. was so exciting. It was like, oh, my gosh, Cho. And so then we ended up winning by three. We win this Hup Cup, you know. My teammate Jess, who was Thaddeus's girlfriend, you know, before he passed, you know, is just mm-hmm. overwhelmed. It's our senior year. We're all flooded with emotions. And it just meant so much to just win that game. And mm-hmm. it was like, oh, my gosh, we left everything out on that field. Like, mm-hmm. it was just like happy tears, sad tears, tears of exhaustion, tears of yeah. I have mono and I'm so tired. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it meant, it meant so much. And that's probably like 
the greatest trophy we've ever won, you know, is that 2015 Hub Cup. And, like, they've kept the name since, so. Good. Good. It's so awful to experience a tragedy, you know, like that in any situation. But there's lovely that you were able to have that tournament and rededicate it to his memory and give him a give him that legacy and and have the community together like how perfect is it that you're like up against some of your alumni as well like, yeah that's, oh it's like oh my yeah. gosh no matter who wins like it's staying within niu like this is mm-hmm. amazing like i love oh, it yeah they're such a good team but yeah it's like oh my gosh those are our friends but we want to beat them and we would beat their faces yeah. in but at the same time we we just want to cry and commiserate because we were all at the funeral together two months ago like it's just like right. oh my gosh every emotion yeah. ever and I'm sure you did that after you were done playing. You were like, let's yeah. get a beer and exactly. and remember. Exactly. And just be together. Be here for one another. Yeah. Yeah. So beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. It's like a relive, reliving the glory days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's definitely like that. Because <laughs> you can see it. You start to tell the story yeah. and you're like, oh, I <laughs> these little moments, these flashes of, oh, of rugby man. and community. Yeah. Ah. Thank you so much for coming on the show. This is another great episode of with you. <laughs> Hope you have thank a, you. enjoy the rest of your day. I got a big smile ear to ear. Right Me now. too. Well, thank yeah. you. And you have a great day. Thanks. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning into another episode of with you, a women's rugby podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. Any feedback is much appreciated. You can find my email in the show notes. Other than that, I love you all so much, especially for being here, but my love is unconditional. Until next week, take care of yourselves. Bye. Click subscribe to get new episode notifications the day they drop and never miss a show. Email me if you want to share your stories at suze at withyoupodcasts.co. That's S-U-S at withyoupodcasts.co. My love to you all and thanks for stopping by.